Hi there, I'm Ben Pearson. Welcome to the Tech World Human Skills Podcast. Every episode, we talk through how to thrive in the tech world, not just survive. And if the podcast isn't enough for you and you want weekly tips delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the Elevated You newsletter. Head over to www.elevatedyou.live slash TWHS to sign up. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tech World Human Skills Podcast. Now, in this episode today, we're talking about something really important. We're, we're talking about social mobility. And you know what? Most people I speak to are fans of, of meritocracy, you know, where, where people uh, progress or are rewarded based on their effort, their impact, their, their merit. But that is so often not the case. And social mobility is a big part of why. So our guest today, to help us with this social mobility and tech conversation, cares deeply about social mobility. And so much so, he started a company with a mission to address it. So please welcome to the podcast, Neil Marley. Hi, thanks, Ben. It is lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to be with us. And I wonder, for all of those people out there that, that don't know you, could you introduce us, uh, sorry, introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. Um, I've been in tech for about 25 years. I've had numerous roles. I started in a global ISV uh, called Bentley Systems and doing professional services delivery went to work at Microsoft for seven years and was part of the Azure launch team there, which was fantastic. And then I went to go and work at a partner, a Microsoft partner called .NET Solutions that became a partner called New Signature that then was acquired by Cognizant a couple of years ago. So that's the uh, the sort of recent history uh, in my career. And then what, what about now? What is it you do now? So now I'm the CEO at Qualify. Uh, Qualify is a company where cloud delivery optimization meets social mobility. So we're trying to combine two aspects. How do we make people more efficient in the delivery teams? And how do we do that with a socially diverse index on it? Right. Okay. Okay. Um, now, I kind of alluded really in, in my intro that, that that social mobility is something that's really important to you, so much so that, as you just said there with Qualify, it's sort of almost part of your mission statement that it's something that you're really focusing yeah. on. Why is it that social mobility is so important to you? Yeah, well, it's very personal. I mean, I haven't talked about this. I did talk, we, we spoke, and I spoke to my, my family about talking about this podcast because um, it is really personal. But for that reason, it's not all something I should talk about <laughs> a great deal. You know, you don't, um, you don't obviously uh, go into new situations and talk about the detailed background and past that you have. So, um, but talking it through, I think it's important to say this is this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, and and um, let's talk about it a bit. I won't go into full details and so on. Um, I've been on my own journey basically, and the the. Uh, the extent to which I, I am the person I am now from where I started from in my teens has been been very interesting. Let's put it that way. I think everyone's got their story, haven't they? But I think where you start from has an enormous impact on where you go and how and the chances you have to have a fulfilling career in whatever way that would be. Um, and in my background, and everyone's got a story, as I say, I grew up in a, I'm going to call it a, dysfunct a dysfunctional family unit Um in a in a state in in Bracknell, um, and I say that because people hear me now talk the way I do. I've definitely changed the way I talk and act as I've gone through my career journey to become 
what I think the version of what people want to see in a in a modern business context looks like. You know, so I. I, I didn't talk like people who came from where I came from. And I've been on this. It's really interesting. You start looking at this journey and go, people make assessments and assumptions about who I am based upon who I am now. But, you know, where people come from, we very rarely go into the backstory about what did your parents do for a living, yeah. you know, or that. And that's not socially, that's, that's socially awkward to talk about those sort of things sometimes, unless you know the person well. So I grew up in this environment where I suspect not a huge amount was expected of of me, you know, Um the family unit was very difficult. There were a number of very serious challenges, and that caused me a lot of problems in my adult life, you know, that I didn't fully appreciate then. School was really, really hard. Um, and there was one moment in time when I was about 12 years old, and I, I went to, to a friend's house who was loaded, and, <laughs> and it was a real eye-opener, you know, about <laughs> what, is, what is this? You know, there's, a, there's this whole other world of language, of opportunity, of network, of material goods <laughs> it's the whole thing you, you go this is um you see it on tv and so on and you see other you know what seems like hollywood or some other vision of these things and it seems so remote that it's impossible but when you start getting to a point in your life as i was you start looking around the world and seeing what's out there and comparing to where you are it's it was re a real eye-opener it made me quite annoyed and angry actually for a long time i think that imbalance was was hard to understand why people are working hard don't get as much as other people working hard. And yeah. so my, my immature brain struggled to work this out. So I decided that I was going to become um, wealthy. And, you know, that's a very simplistic statement uh, from that point of view. I wanted to get from here to there. And this is at age 12? This. this is age 12, I think, <laughs> probably. I, I decided it wasn't instant. But looking back, I suspect that was an enormous driving force in. Um, and it's obviously the wrong answer to the question, right? But it is definitely what I, I felt at that time. And I wanted to move into a different place and I wanted to have all these things, you know, and operate in that world. So I've been on this journey for 25 years to try and get there. And I've done it in a very, very, uh, well, not an efficient way. <laughs> and I've made loads of mistakes, right, through that process of going from here to there. Um, I, I was the first person in my family to go to university. I did that. And then I went in, uh, on this series of jobs, the, the technology roles. But the thing that... I hadn't understood was how important emotional mastery was and how important some of the softer skills and some of the other things around just knowledge or just the ability to deliver effective outcomes was in creating a successful path for yourself, you know, and, and going through. And that was certainly wasn't a strength of mine in my twenties uh, and in my thirties. And some would say now, but <laughs> I, I got better at it. And, and so qualify is an attempt really to help people who are in a similar place that I was, let's say you're 18, 20, 22, and you may have a degree, you may not, you may, you, you may come from any situation, any background, anywhere in the country, and there's potential in there, but you don't know what the path is. You don't have a map. You don't have a, a guide. You know, I, I didn't have that. What I would like to do, and the team at Qualify are very passionate about, is taking that 25-year journey and compressing that down into the shortest possible time to give people a jump start. And there's all kinds of practical implementations of that what that means we can talk about but there is a um that's very very uh important to me and i want to get in say 10 years time when qualify is bigger that we've affected the lives of hundreds of people who would not have had the chance to have a career in technology and to develop at the speed we can help them develop knowing what we know so it's it's an opportunity to share all the things that i've learned i think wisdom is just a load of mistakes isn't it you know um so I've made lots, and um, now we, I sit. It's really satisfying. I sit in 
sessions and training with young people and we help them develop their technical skills but also their softer skills you know how they manage stressful situations how they act with gravitas and how they um manage stakeholder and uh, relationships effectively and all the things that help people be effective in in a business environment and that's really satisfying so i wake up um, most days very energized about where this is going and um, where the future of it ends up uh, helping lots of people yeah do you know what? There's there's two questions that that spring to my mind. Um, I'm going to ask the first one, but I'm going to say let's pause and wait for that one. And that is, you know, you mm-hmm. started off age twelve with a view to be wealthy. Your view of success was to be wealthy. It, yes. it sounds to me what you've just explained to me is the great part about your job. It's nothing to do with the money. It's the fact that, that you're going. So I'm going to part that, and we're going to come back to that. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, now I'm going yeah, to go yeah, back to, right. to to being twelve, and say so what was it you did right so you you've you've gone to this person's house realized you know you know and it was probably a while ago i'm sure it probably wasn't playstation 5 you know it was whatever the equivalent was you know you know back then. but yep. but but you you've had this kind of wow look at your eyes have been opened so so what is it that you did then differently to to take you to where you wanted to be which age 12 was wealthy what was it you did differently i think the um the number one thing uh, was I had some form of North Star then to say, this is where I want to go. And I probably, as you say, it was the wrong, it was the wrong basis for success. You know, it wasn't the right KPI for success, wealth, you know, but that, give myself a break. I was 12, right? so you go, it's okay. <laughs> but I would, I would look at every situation, I think, and then go, I'm, I want to go in that direction. So I had absolute clarity about that. So I'd make decisions based upon did they improve or or, or decline that opportunity you know so I think having a having a place to go is one thing um I think the second thing is how you get there efficiently is obviously a different matter which is why we've set up this business to help people do that um but it's yeah that's probably the number one thing and I would um I suspect inside my character there's a very there's a very uh important part of that motivation which comes from I want to it goes past I want to and almost to I need to (laughs) you know so I think the uh, the ability to keep going and work really, really hard at what you're doing. So in my 20s, as an example, when I was working in pre-sales in, in um, application uh, document management stuff, I would spend hours and hours and hours in my own time learning about what I was doing. And I thought if I became excellent at what I did, I would be successful. And that's partly true, isn't it? I think um, it isn't everything, but I think to be an expert practitioner is a, is a, is a really good step to, to some successful career journey. It it um it's not everything as I say and we we all understand that but I think that's probably the motivation was if I look back now underneath why did I spend all those hours doing that it came from that twelve year old um thing I need I need to be here right I need to go forward I need to go faster and harder and, and more at that you know um so it's interesting looking back at the motivations about why you do things you're not always fully aware of them at the time are you but I think maybe with some reflection you start thinking ah that makes more sense why did I do that yeah you know um so I think yeah having a north star. And then working really, really hard were, were two important aspects of that. And then that North Star's not changed. You know, it was wealth yes. age yeah, twelve. Yeah. What yes. is it, what is it now? Age not twelve. I'm not so guessing not at your Thank age you. there. I'm being very polite. It's very kind. <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate that. That could have been a delicate moment there. Then um, I um, I I think it's making it. It sounds cliche. Making a difference. You know the the. I've had a good career, um, and um, you know I've really enjoyed. 
the work I've done with Microsoft and New Signature and, and other organizations has been very fulfilling. We've been growing companies and helping people with their careers. Um, but the number one thing I want to do now is to is to finish my career having made a substantial difference to the environment we're in and helping people. And already, you know, it's it's it, that's happening. I'm I'm speaking to the qualifiers, the so people going through this early career program, and they're saying it's life changing for them. You know, yeah. and they were in one state here, and now they're here, and they can see the next thing. You know, so it's that map of how do I go from um, having no knowledge of technology but a strong desire to be in it to being a practitioner to being let's call it a leader. I don't know what the what the right arc is, but you know, it's that sort of. It's not just about this. It's about all these things, and it's a path. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the, the the motivation for me now is how can I help hundreds of people in the first instance in this country have a, a career they couldn't have otherwise thought about. Um, and I think there's a lot in there about um, the opportunity for people at all different places in the UK, whether that's social, geography, you know, uh, academic position, I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of time in IT and I've met loads of fantastic IT people who don't have academic qualifications, right? They don't, you don't need um, what I'll call a classic academic route or any vocational experience to be amazing as an IT consultant in broad terms. Yes. And that's been proven to me time and time again. Yeah. So I see a lot of programs say you must have a 2-1 STEM degree, you must have these things. And I, I, I think that's extremely limiting, not good for UK PLC. You know, there's loads of people um, in the in the world and in the UK particularly, who could have an amazing career. So what we want to do is find those skills, and we've codified these skills. You know, so we know what what it takes to make a great consultant. We've been doing it for decades, and then we say, no matter where they are in the mix, we can pick them out. Um, I don't think everyone has got those skills, by the way. So I think it's not a case of everybody can be amazing at IT or coding is a good example. I think that's quite a that's quite a specific skill, you know, and I think um, the, the the trick is if you've got 100 people, which 10 could be amazing at this and how do you find them and how do you select them and how do you develop them? Because you're not going to make all 100 amazing at that. I think that's unrealistic. Mm. The answer for the other 90 is other amazing career paths. Mm. They could be brilliant carpenters. They could be brilliant bankers. They could be there's there's a different set of skills. And I strongly believe that everyone has got skills mm. and it's a, it's fine finding those inside the human and then applying the development path to that so we don't care about anything other than do you have those those skills that could make you amazing and then we can help you develop those mm. now it's interesting as you were talking there i was just sort of reflecting on my uh you know my early upbringing and my early career and you know the, the opportunities that i got um, so if I think about it, you know, firstly, very supportive parents. That was good. Just went to normal comp comprehensive, normal sixth form college. But then here's where I think I got an opportunity um, that was very different was it just so happened that the Intel head office was in Swindon. You know, that, that was where I was going to college, the mighty Swindon yep. in Wiltshire. And they yep. did a, a sponsorship for university. And right. uh, I managed to get that that sponsorship. Um and but that was purely geography, you know, that was purely geography being the right place at the right time. I had to interview it for it. Right. So I had to work hard and get it. You know, I still had to. get. But that was an opportunity that I got because of the geography that I was in. And that then set me up for later on as a graduate when, you know, when I go to Microsoft, because I've now got that experience with Intel that nobody else has got. That then puts me in, uh, you know, head and shoulder. And so a lot of that comes from 
the opportunity that, that, that was there and that, that was for me just based purely on geography and where I was and living in that sort of Thames Valley corridor, Silicon Valley, UK, as it was back in the 90s. Um, so yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, yeah, if, if we start yeah. to think about social mobility, um, mm-hmm. let, let, let's say a bit more broadly. Yeah. Sh- so shall we firstly define, how would you define what social mobility is? Yeah, it's quite an interesting thing because everyone, I think, would recognise it. If you said the words, yeah. they, there's, a, there's a, it's too long for this, I think, but there's, a, there's many dimensions to it. You know, um, there's the ability in, in social terms to have educational opportunities, income opportunities, housing opportunities, social cohesion. There's a whole range of, of different dimensions and, and people have classified it in different ways. The government have done some, um, some good work on, on looking at the state of the nation reports. And I'll send the links across to some of these things, which are interesting to read. Um, the World Economic Forum has done some work on this as well. There's lots of bodies around the world who have defined it. But I think in simple terms, it's for me, it's where you start and the opportunities you have to go up the ladder, you know, and say, how do I, if my parents are working class, definition class seven in the dimensions of world, you know, social mobility, say there's eight and you're number seven, what are the chances of getting to five or four? Um, and it's generational advancement uh, from your from your predecessors. But it's not just about income. You know, there are loads of other factors that mean you may be moving forward and maybe not earning as much, but still doing professional careers. There's lots of roles out there that don't necessarily have the income um, uh, uh, potential, but have strong academic professional qualities to them and so on. So it's not it's not necessarily about just the money. You know, it's it's about advancement in a career that um, offers uh, opportunity and offers some degree of satisfaction to you as you as you develop you know and you're you're happy yeah uh, i think also the lack of frustration i.e you have the opportunity to develop in these areas you know so you're not being held back in any way that's so the the uh, the wheels of the machine are, are, are oiled up so you can move through into different places and you have opportunity to do that uh, so as an example yeah. right now in 2023 i think the last report that came out if you if your parents are working class as defined by the the the, uh, the um the definitions there then you're three times more likely to stay in that lane than someone in a professional class and i think that's probably somewhat obvious or rather not a surprise you know to hear those sort of things yeah. but it is really bad <laughs> it's almost through it's so it's so commonplace that people go yeah well of course that sounds that sounds about right but that's that's exactly the sort of thing that we would like to have a small but important dent in yeah. you know and say how do we how do we drive that change in a small in a small slither of that whole problem yeah. you know in cloud consulting and computing so there are yeah, main dimensions to it it's, it's quite it's really interesting I think. yeah and um so there's there's some stats isn't there you know on or uh, maybe i think you mentioned the world economic for world economic yeah. forum mm-hmm. like if you take you know let's take some of the big you know the uk um the us um, I've got a feeling that Scandinavia is probably quite good at this. That's just a feeling. Of, like, how are different countries and how, how do they measure it, the World Economic Forum? And, and how do different countries do in their social mobility? Yeah, so the, the, the categories, I think in the WEF there's eight categories. But again, I'll send the, the link to the report and it talks about income, it talks about health, it talks about education, you know, all those, all those familiar dimensions of how much access do we have in different areas to those things in different groupings and what is the ability for people to change their grouping and move up the area and, and look at positive and negative mobility, you know, through different, um, different lenses. 
out of I, th I think 82 countries are in the sort of um, the, the, the WEF economy view of the world. And you're right uh, that the Scandinavian countries are often in the sort of top five. Okay. The UK is 21st out of 82. Okay. The US, uh, 27th out of 82. Okay. Um, and I asked some people last week and I said, I, I, was, uh, I was just talking about this and I said, where do you think we are? Um, and that was fascinating. Some people thought we we're in the top 10, definitely. Okay. Um, some people thought that the US would be a lot higher, you know, given um, some of the the the, the, um, the the cultural approaches in the US, probably less class based than, say, the UK. I think um, I, I look at that and go, I've not lived in the US, but I think the opportunity to make your mark and do your thing, you know, is, is very open in, in that culture, which is a positive thing. Um, so people had all kinds of views about where we were. <laughs> and uh, but that's where we're at. 21st out of 82 in the UK. Yeah. And I, I think that's um, that's disappointing, you know. And I, I, th I would, I would, I think that the the opportunity to make that better, yeah, is is really important because it's not about some people losing and some people winning. It's about everyone winning, yeah. you know. One of the things I think is you're not necessarily going to take things away from people who are doing well in the socially mobile game. You're going to offer more opportunity and more growth for the com for the country and for everybody. So I think everyone will benefit if we improve that position. So, so if we then start to think specifically about tech. Um, the, the, mm -hmm. the tech world how how can we contribute to this from a tech world perspective so for everybody out there listening that's working in tech whatever stage of the career that, that, that you're in what can we do about it as an industry to sort of help this social mobility i think the the um the number one thing is to be open and aware of of what's going on i think the it's a tricky thing to measure because, as we talked about earlier, you don't necessarily survey people coming into an organization about their, their heritage, let's call it that, you know? Okay. So I think the way that we approach it qualifies to therefore say, we're going to open the opportunity to everybody, right? So we're not gonna have any barriers whatsoever, none. Okay. The only thing we want to look and at the, And those how... typical barriers are what you were talking about earlier about like a STEM degree, 2.1, yeah, because there's yeah, all exactly, the privilege yeah. and finance and all of that that you require to yes. get to STEM 2.1. Yeah. So straight away, you're taking you know, that, that kind of requirement out. Absolutely. And I think some big organizations have removed that requirement, but you're absolutely right. If you look at the people statistically who have a degree, they're more likely to come from an affluent background because all kinds of reasons, not least the money, but just the... The the uh, the knowledge of those those pathways and um, what they can offer. So I think straight away you cut out an enormous amount of potential inside the business. I think the other thing is is bias inside these um, hiring loops, and this is we're all biased in some way, right? It's really I think knowing that's probably the, the first thing. But and you mentioned about the meritocratic approach, looking at the skills and the potential in somebody, not what they do or how they say it or what they do, you know, um, right now, because that's, that's probably one of the biggest things is looking past what people are and looking to what they could be. I think that's really important. One of the things we do at Qualify is we, we offer up the, the testing and it's, it's completely blind, you know, in terms of how we, we do those tests that we know predict success in this area. Okay. And when we have people come in for interview, we, recognize that some of them may not be highly confident <laughs> at that point, right? So uh, our organizations really, really want to look at how do I get someone who's sort of perfectly formed and put into my company organization? And I think if you're looking to improve the diversity in your organization, you 
want to make sure you're not missing out on some fantastic candidates because they don't have the 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 final level of polish that some people may have got through their you know more advantageous pathway you know so i think that's really really important um so we look for people with the right attitude the right uh, uh level of eq you know that, that and the and the ability to get on with people the ability to consume knowledge so you can look at these types of of characteristics and you can hire amazing people that maybe your graduate program would have missed and i think that's the number one thing is be open to the possibility that you could find fantastic candidates from virtually anywhere yeah and so so then a call i guess to 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 the broader industry would be to think about how you can start to use those i mean my experience um aside from the traditional graduate program was was using apprentices um and we yep. did a lot mm -hmm. with apprentices um and and it was it was brilliant it was you know what was interesting you know some i guess some observations from me as a hiring manager and a people manager of apprentices was we had very people from very different backgrounds that were doing brilliant work you know that wouldn't have been the typical people that we would have hired through the graduate scheme and and that mm -hmm. would, that was really good to see the other thing i then noticed particularly doing that because apprentice was the route we'd gone down was you had people that were a lot younger so we started taking mm. people on maybe post gses post post a levels that kind of stuff which which yeah. is very different to bringing somebody in aged 22 or later in career that's lived away from home you know it it was almost like bringing on teenagers and you know and I'm a dad now with an almost teenage yeah. daughter it you know the level of uh, direction and and care I would say that was required was very different when mm. we started bringing in people a lot younger than when we were bringing in people people a, a lot older yeah and it's and I think there's um there's a there's a stratum of of in ingestion points let's call it that you know where you can bring talent in okay in my last business, we did apprenticeships, we did grads, we did we did a bunch of different things. Uh, and in Qualify, we don't do the apprenticeship scheme. That's 16 to 18 years old. That's a very specific thing. I think um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really great initiative to offer people in any type of vocation, yeah. you know, the ability to deliver an apprenticeship. I think that's fantastic. What we do is slightly slightly above that level. Um, there's, a, there's a degree probably of, of life skills, you know, that you just talked about there. Um, some some level of emotional maturity i don't know what you would call it that says we're going to get people test find them train them and place them inside enterprise and have them be effective on the first day of their placement and there's a degree therefore of of um of something else we're looking for just above just above that you know so it's 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 not a grad program is it because they're not graduates but yeah. it's a it's probably sort of 20 to 25 would be the typical age of people applying for our program yeah. and they probably have enough, uh, say, life skills to, to navigate the situations they're going to find themselves in. Because at the 16-year-old end, it's harder, isn't it, to enter into a room. You'll find people who can do it, but uh, who are very confident. But it's more difficult, I think, to have people go in and be effective. They need a lot more time and care and attention, as you, as you say. Yeah. And that's not a reason not to do it. It just means that you have to, I think, look at it and go, this is going to take six to 12 months yeah. of work, probably, to move people into a state that can be, I'll call it effective, you know, yeah. or um, uh, independently uh, able to deliver on outcomes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, whereas what we're doing is saying they're just a bit further ahead. Uh, they may have a degree, they may not. They may, there's all kinds of possibilities in their background. Uh, we, we bring them on board, we train them in the, in the tech arts and the soft skills arts, then we place them on day one, they're effective. And that's a very 
important and compelling point actually because it does take a lot of energy to your to your point about how you maintain the development of people so we offer continued mentorship through our program so there's pastoral mentorship and technical mentorship and that's really important because i've seen busy practice leads and busy technical leads you know swamp with delivery escalations and the the time it takes to invest in people is is non-trivial yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so it's um and so i think we've struck a really a neat balance between you know the mid senior level and the apprentice level yeah. it's somewhere in between those and that means you get the benefits of all that program but you don't have to spend many many hours of your week doing the basics if you like yeah. want to call it that and so or, so or you you do so that, so just sort of so as i got it clear in my head the way you're sort of approaching this is you're sort of saying right okay let's um recruit let's remove a lot of the typical barriers for entry or or we're going to remove that we're going to then mm -hmm. i think i also heard you said that you do everything blind so i guess you're removing names genders all of that that kind of stuff as well out of the test that they they take a test is that what they do that's right the test the test the test has removes those things we then we'd have an application which does have um a cv and typical markers and so on when we get to the interview point and presentation point yeah. um we're continually up updating our test to look at how we can do better we're looking at all kinds of different um tool sets some of them are no surprise you're looking at the ai tool sets and how we can do a bit of that i'm a bit cautious about some of that as well you know because i think again you can miss yep. really great people um but somewhat by necessity we're getting thousands and thousands of people apply for the roles yeah. you know we offer paid paid placement training and paid placements and yeah. you know if you're in a situation where you've got no options on the table, but you've got ambition, we're a fantastic place to come and get taught yeah. and develop. So we get a lot of people apply. So there's a degree of that, which I think is probably necessary, you know, yeah. um, but absolutely we don't, we don't look at um, anything other than the results on the um, aptitude test, the, the EQ test, the situational awareness and other things. Yeah. And, and so then once you've identified your candidates, um, Sorry, and, you, and you've hired folks, then you put them mm -hmm. through this kind of training program. Is that right? So you're sort of teaching That's them right. both the technical skills they need to be effective. Um, yeah. So what's that sort of program look like? So it's eight. The first bit is an accelerator for eight weeks. We've got, at the moment, we've got two tracks, but we're always expanding them. Um, we've got a sort of infra DevOps track and we've got a data engineering track. And the first one can branch a bit into security and the second one can branch a bit into AI. There's some there's some different yeah. pathways inside those two and they do eight weeks of of training and that includes a bunch of certifications on the hyperscaler platforms and some soft skills training some of the stuff to get them effective after the eight weeks we often do a couple of weeks of specific skills for the placement so if placement company x needs terraform this and a bit of that and so on we'll, we'll go and add those skills into the um into the mix so they turn up with knowledge of specific technology frameworks, but also delivery frameworks, we can help them get ready for that. Yeah. And we spend time with those companies looking at their statements of work and their, their schedules of delivery, because we've done that in our previous lives for years, you know, we can sit down and actually look at these delivery documents and go, well, out of those 10 tasks, these three can be done by a qualifier, yeah. you know, and we can start breaking down the work breakdown structure that means that they can land and on day one do something. And then they'd sit with that company for 18 to 24 months on average, and they get another 24 days of training, which is on us through that process. So they continually develop. And the training program is built with the placement company. You know, what are their objectives? What are, what's their backlog and 
pipeline of work looking like? Where where's the need going to yeah. be? You know, so we sit down and we help develop that together. Um, and after that program completes, the, then they pass to that organization and they become an employee of that company. Yeah, R- really interesting. And I love it. You know, having been involved with people earlier in career and, and helping develop, it's lovely to see that this is this is going through. Have you got any stories? How's it going? You know, like, yeah. does it yeah, work? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> great question. <laughs> yeah. Well, the answer, the answer is yes. And it's, and I'm pleased because the thesis was, could we do this? Yeah. You know, could we take people yeah. from zero in say 12 weeks to become an effective cloud consultant from nothing? Okay. And that was the thesis. Okay. And the answer is yes. Because straight away, so me go as a hiring manager, putting my old hand, I'd, the answer to that is no. So it's so yes, interesting exactly. to hear you go, that, that actually, really you can. I completely, yeah, you can. And it's really, I completely agree with you, by the way, um, in the terms of why I, I, I hear that quite a bit. And I think it's difficult to to, um, to prove that until you see it. But we've got numerous examples now. And we've got our case studies being launched this month and next to actually talk about people in that position, landing and being instantly billable, instantly valuable. Yeah. Um, and it's about how you select and how you train that and getting the right people with the right attitude. That's that's really key. So we've got um, our first two case studies coming out. We've we've, can't, we've closed, I think, 10 customers in our first 18 months. Yeah. There are a variety of enterprise customers, uh, systems partners, you know, consulting partners yeah. of different sizes. Um, and our first couple of, of case studies, one's for Action for Children, the charity. We uh, we placed a data qualifier in there. And in their first, I think it was the first three weeks, they improved the gift aid reclamation by £280,000 in their f- first three weeks by doing data analysis on on that uh, on that work. We've got a video coming up about that soon. Awesome. So that's the sort of impact people have when they come in. Yeah. They, they are instantly useful. In one of our other data engineering um, uh, consultancy organizations people are taking more qualifiers from us which i think is a really good sign you know people come in yeah. they get busy and then when the next project comes up they take another person so we had two people land on one um, paid engagement within three months one of them was leading two teams and wow. then when the next project came through in january another person from qualify comes on board instantly in billing straight away so it's not normal I don't think. I think most organizations and most historically, you'll see graduates come in and it's six to 12 months to get people in that state. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the magic bit that we have. If there's one thing that we do, which I think like the unique bit is identification, yeah. selection of those people yeah. with the right skills yeah. from anywhere, yeah. and then the development of them in an extremely rapid and very, very direct way to an outcome yeah. that's useful for that yeah. placement company. And that is, I think that's almost, can it be almost unique, Ben? I don't know. I think it's extremely rare, yeah. and I, that's that's what that's what we offer. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. Uh, so there's 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 some, there's some more case studies coming out on the uh, on the website shortly. We'll we'll talk about those in the future. Brilliant. I love love this story. Absolutely love it, Neil. It it's it's brilliant. Can you believe our time has gone? Um, so just as we start, to, and I could talk to you about about this all day. It's it, I find it really really interesting. Now. Um, Neil, what what would be your your key takeaways for people that have been listening now? Just as we sort of wrap up and close out the episode, what what would be your yeah. key takeaways for people? I think um, number one is to uh, be open to what people can do. I think people are capable of way more than you think at much higher rates of progress yeah. if they've got the right skills and the right attitude. Yeah. So I think that's probably the number one thing. Um, number two is. 
if people are interested in having this conversation, we'd love to have it, you know, so there's, um, it, it accelerates your ability to inject a diverse element into your workforce at a, in a way which is not hugely loading to your managers or leaders. That's really, really important, you know, because you say it takes yeah. a lot of time and energy to do yeah. it. So people sort of put, off, put it off because they don't believe that they can be that effective that quickly and it's going to be a lot of hassle. Mm. I think that's a not uncommon objection that people don't voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the truth of it. So I think if that's what you if you want to do it and you're worried about those things, I think we'd have a good conversation about yeah. that. Um, and I think that would be something which would be, you know, you have a lot of decisions and meetings and stuff in your in your every given month. Um, it'd be one of those meetings where actually you genuinely make a difference to someone's life. You know, yeah. I think that's really exciting. So yeah. it feels good, yeah. I think, to say yeah. I'm going to do something which is going to affect someone positively yeah. um, while delivering the, the business outcomes yeah. right and that's that's really important you need to do both of those things yeah i I, lo I love the fact that that tech can be such a useful tool in this social mobility challenge uh, i love that and and you know the other thing i'm just thinking is you know that, that tech changes so quickly you know you don't mm. ne you don't need 20 years of experience like prompt engineering's been around for like what three minutes like yeah. you know yeah, yeah, you, exactly, you don't yeah. need yeah. all that legacy you know you don't need that and so if you've got the raw potential and you've got that focused development it can be such a great way to aid uh, social mobility so i love the fact that tech can be such a, a force for good I I I in that area um yeah, and we, and we talk a lot about the philosophy of these things rather than the detail as well. So if you understand the way that technology thinks almost, you yeah. know, the, the way that cloud thinks and so on, we spend a lot of time with the, with the qualifiers talking about yeah, the philosophy of, of technology. The, the engagement models are timeless, you yeah. know, things you need to do to make projects successful often just aren't about IT functions and features. They're about getting a team to deliver an outcome in the right way together, yeah. you know. Um, then you're right. People, the technology will change, no doubt, again. And that's all part of the learning journey for all yeah. of us. Yeah. Um, where can people find you, Neil? Um, if people have love what you've been talking about and want to reach out to you in, in the internet land, where can they find you? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn, Neil Marley, and I'm on qualify.co.uk. So there's, there's probably the two primary routes of getting in touch. Um, ping me a message. I'm sure there'll be some contact details at some point, Ben. But yeah, we'd love to talk to people who are interested in making a difference, uh, having um, conversations like these. Uh, if, there, if this has been an exciting conversation, yeah. you know, we'll have a good conversation. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, and I think um, we're heading for a, to a better place through this. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, last thing to say is thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, Neil. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate you taking the time as well. Um, and that flew by. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that. That, that was Take great. Care. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Well, there we go. Thanks for listening. Remember, if the podcast isn't enough for you and you want weekly tips delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the Elevated You newsletter. Head over to www.elevatedyou.live slash TWHS to sign up. Oh, and can you do me a favour? Could you subscribe to the podcast and rate the show? It really helps spread the word.